I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18 and we continue our studies and we've come to this little passage of just three verses, but it shows us the heart of God. And so let's see what God's Word has to say to us this morning. Luke chapter 18 verses 15 to 17. Now the disciples, sorry, now they, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I'm sure most of you would be aware of the recent media attention on the failure of SIFs to successfully integrate abused children into society. It was all over the news. In actual fact, those news items were saying less about SIFs than more about our society. It was pointing to our society's attitude towards children. That children are inconvenient and expendable. We see that even as the abortion rate in this country climbs. Fetuses, which can be aborted if unwanted. If people find little children with disabilities, now I realise what I'm saying here, then they get aborted. It ends up where we have children dished out to families like chattels when their parents continuously misbehave or don't take control of their lives. And yes, sometimes the help is available and sometimes it's not as it should be available. But I believe our society is not holding those same parents to account for their actions. We are too soft. And our children pay the price. What a different attitude we see in the Bible this morning as Jesus calls the children to himself. We see the heart of God. He calls them and says, let the children come to me, don't hinder them. And it speaks to us about the gospel values available to those same children. So let's look at this passage in the Bible today. You see, parents were bringing their children to Jesus as the crowds were growing. Mothers and fathers were bringing their children to Jesus to have Him bless them. And it was constantly happening. The word there says that they were being brought to Jesus constantly. There were constantly children around Jesus and parents wanting him to bless them. It was also a Jewish custom of the day that rabbis would bless children. They would put their hands on them and pronounce a blessing on them. But many, but often what happened was this was just done as a formality. And so these parents were bringing them to this rabbi, Jesus, for his blessing. But then we have our dear disciples this time. And what are the disciples doing? They're trying to stop these children from coming to clamour around the Lord. And in effect, their behaviour was saying, we are too important a group and our master's too busy. Don't bother him with these little children. And they were actually rebuking the parents and the children. The word rebuked is is used here. That's quite a strong word. They were actively pushing away these children and their parents. Our master's too busy. Don't bother him. And what they were doing was 
not showing much humility. Now, what passage comes just before this in Luke? It's the one about the two men who went to pray in the temple. The one, a rabbi or a teacher of the law, sorry, a Pharisee, who went to pray and he was pompous in his prayer. It was more of an advertisement about his own goodness before the Lord. It wasn't a humble prayer. Jesus uses the story to teach them, that is not how I want you to come into the kingdom. And then there was the tax collector, the one who was despised by society. And he comes and he pours out his heart before God. And he comes in a humble attitude. He's dependent on the work of God in him. And Jesus says he's the one who goes away blessed. And straight after that, Luke records this little incident of three verses where these disciples do exactly the opposite of what Jesus has been teaching them. Don't point the finger at, the, at these disciples. We do the same thing very quickly after we've heard the words of God. You see, these disciples didn't yet have Jesus' priorities. They were still a work in progress, as we are. And it's not the first time they didn't have Jesus' priorities. Think back of Luke chapter 9. You can glance back there if you want to. Luke chapter 9, verses 12 to 17, the feeding of the 5,000. The crowds gather around Jesus, it comes to dinner time, and the disciples say to the Lord, Lord, send them away. Send the crowd away so that they can find lodging and something to eat. And what does Jesus say? My heart is different, my dear disciples. You feed them. And then everything happens there. That miracle happens where the Lord feeds them from five loaves and two fish. And then we have... In Luke chapter 9, again, verses 46 to 48, this argument about greatness that breaks out among the disciples. And what does Jesus do when he knows that they are arguing? He takes a child, puts a child next to him and says this. He says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Do you see how his priorities are different to theirs? And then we have another incident, Luke chapter 9. I call them the Burnham Brothers incident. Where the, where the Samaritans would not give Jesus hospitality when Jesus goes into their village. And so his disciples, specifically two of them, James and John, come and say to the Lord, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and to burn them? Well, that's very loving. And Jesus replies, The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Do you see the differing priorities? And then another incident, there are so many of them. John chapter 4 verse 27. Again in a Samaritan village, the disciples go on this foraging trip of finding food and accommodation. And then they come back and there's their master speaking to a Samaritan, but not just a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman at the well in the middle of the day where everyone can see. And they are so embarrassed. Because it's not supposed to happen. And the scripture uses the words there, they were amazed. Now it's not amazed that he's speaking to a woman. They were highly embarrassed and indignant about it. Different priorities. And so here in this passage we see again, the the disciples chase the children away. They say, go away. The master hasn't got time to see you. But Jesus has the opposite priority. What does he say to them? Verse 16. He says, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom 
of God. You see, instead of pushing people away, Jesus shows them His heart. He shows them the heart of God. Later on He would say, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to Myself. A statement about why He came to this earth. It shows us the heart of God. Jesus came to save, and to save anyone who would come forever. That's His heart. Not to push people away. And so Jesus says, let these children come to me, because to such belong the kingdom of God. Now, I want to correct an error here, or point out an error to you. You see, many, many times this verse has been misused, because people will see this verse, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And they will say, well, all children belong to God, and therefore when they die, they belong to Him and they are saved. Well, I'm not being cold-hearted when I say this because I'll balance it out. But that's not true. He says, to such as these, the kingdom of God belongs. Those are really important words. Because they are the example in the attitude of coming of the ones who will be saved. And I'll expand on that a bit later. So Jesus is not saying that children are innocent and therefore they belong to God. It's a false teaching. Don't rest easy in that. Your children need the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. They are not saved because they are children. You see, Scripture says the opposite. Romans 5.12 It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, everyone is born in sin. Even the sweetest little baby That's the curse of sin. That's why we need a saviour. That's why only Jesus Christ can save. That's why we need to present the gospel to the smallest of children in the simplest of ways. They need him. But before we are accused of being cold and heartless, we as Christians also know that God is a gracious God and he will do what is right in his eyes. And I'm going to touch on something very sensitive here this morning. When unborn children die, what then? All I can say to you is the Bible says they are born in sin, but God is a gracious God. His mercy is as great as His judgment. Will He not do what is right? And that's all we can say. We can't go that step further because Scripture doesn't tell us. He's a gracious God. Romans, the same chapter, verse 15, says this, But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, listen to this, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. There is mercy to be found in our gracious God. And that is the comfort we bring to parents. Look to our gracious God. He will do what is right in his eyes. And then we show them Jesus' love by the way we get round and comfort those parents. And so, young children, old people, the outcast, the leader of people, we all need to hear the same message from God's word. God's grace is available to all who will come. His grace abounds for many. The heart of God says, Let the children come to me. 
Do not hinder them. Do you hear his word? Our dear disciples today got it wrong. They were hindering the children from coming. That word literally means to lop off or to cut off. They were cutting off the children. They were lopping them off from coming to Jesus by pushing away these children instead of showing them the love and the tenderness of their master. You see, what was getting in the way of their duty? The pride in their hearts. They were hindering the the work of their master. There's such a close connection between our own humility and our ability to lead our children to Jesus Christ. You see, when our children look at us, do they see humility in us or do they see pride? When they see pride, they will be turned away. When they see humility from the Lord in us, they will be attracted to Jesus Christ. The greatest gift to ministry to children is humility. We cut off our children by our attitudes. How do we cut off our children? We cut off our children by overlooking them spiritually. By thinking they are too young. By not seeing our children as souls who need Jesus Christ. We overlook them and so we cut them off. We need to be looking at the children around us whether they belong to you, whether they visit as children, we are to be showing them the love of Jesus Christ. And where we have the opportunity, we are to speak the message of the saving grace that is available to them in terms that they can understand. And if you need things like little brochures or little pamphlets called Who Will Be King with lots of pictures in them so that you can explain the gospel message to children, do it. Don't overlook children. Those little souls need Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't hinder the children from coming to me. How else do we cut off our children from Jesus Christ? By our Christless examples to them. Our children at home see our bad tempers. I'm just speaking from experience. All right? I've been a parent. Still am. They see, they see our impatience. They see the me, myself and I attitude in me. They see and hear our conversations and what comes out of our mouths. They see our attitudes towards our spouse. And it either points to Jesus Christ or turns them away. How else do we cut off our children? How else do we hinder our children? Through our own personal unbelief as Christians. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. You see, we say one thing and we do another. What do our children see us watching on TV and allowing ourselves to watch? Do they ever hear us speaking about Jesus Christ in our homes? Do they ever see us reading our Bibles? You see, our children look at us, and you'll know as parents, they copy, don't they? They've got little tape recorders switched on all the time. Or in modern terms, DVD recorders. They watch us. They copy. And when they don't see us living out what we believe and what we say we believe, they say the following. My dad can't really love Jesus, so neither will I. 
And right there at an early age, they turn away from Jesus Christ through our examples. Don't hinder the children from coming to Jesus. Jesus carries on, and I'll be coming back to this verse 16. He carries on and he says, Let them come into the kingdom. Verse 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now we need to pay attention. Jesus draws emphasis to this statement of his. He says, Truly I say to you, in the old King James, Verily, verily I say unto thee. Now, it means pay attention. This is an unchanging truth I'm about to say to you. Listen to it. What is this unchanging truth? Here it is. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter the kingdom at all. What is Jesus pointing to here? He's pointing pointing to a heart attitude that has to be in us if we are to enter the kingdom at all. Who's in charge of the kingdom? God's kingdom. He is. Who sets the parameters for coming into the kingdom? God does. He gives us His kingdom on His terms. So we can only enter His kingdom on His terms. And He says, receive the kingdom as a gift. You either receive the kingdom as a gift or you reject it. There's one of two ways. You either receive on His terms or you walk away on your terms. But you need to decide. You either come into the kingdom on His terms, not on your terms and conditions, not by your strings attached, not by your exclusion clauses that we all put on life, but you come on His terms and you need to accept that gift. What are His terms? He says, come to me with complete and utter trust of Jesus Christ. Come with a humble heart before me and beg for forgiveness and I will grant forgiveness and I will give you a new life and then you will enter into my kingdom. You see, what must that attitude be if we want to enter the kingdom? It must be as the old hymn said, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. We cannot come with any conditions on our coming. We come openly, freely, humbly before God. We come and we bow the knee to Jesus Christ. That is the only way to come into the kingdom. Now there are many other messages out there in society today. This is the only way to come into the kingdom. Otherwise, Jesus says, you will not enter it at all. Literally, you shall absolutely not enter it, never. There's a double negative here. Do you get what he's saying? If you don't come his way, you will never enter it, never. You can't come on your terms. You, can't, you can only come on God's terms. It's all or nothing when it comes to Jesus Christ. All of him, nothing of you. No back door into the kingdom. No other way to save yourself. That same verse we had this morning. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes, 
There is an exclusivity to the Christian faith. It's not a popular message out there because everyone wants to be inclusive. They want us to change our message. They want us to tell them that you can come to God in many ways as long as you believe in the same God. Jesus says, I am the way. There's only one way into the kingdom. It's through me, Jesus Christ. No other way. You cannot come through Islam. You cannot come to God through Hinduism. You cannot come to God by your own religious goodness. But you cannot come to God through good works. There is only one way. Through humbly bowing and accepting Jesus Christ as the way to see the Father. Christianity is exclusive. But praise the Lord, it is inclusive too. Because anyone who comes and bows the knee will find the grace of God available to them. So everyone can come. No one needs to stay out of the kingdom. It is inclusive. But on God's terms. Let the children come to me. Because if you let them come, they will receive the kingdom of God. And you need to have this attitude like a child. Otherwise you will not enter the kingdom at all. So we need to come with a humble heart. We need to come with a broken heart. We need to come expressing to Jesus Christ our need of Him. Why? Because when we approach the kingdom, when we want to enter, Jesus Christ sees through our pretenses. He sees straight to our hearts. And He can read us. We need to come humbly. I want to leave four questions with you under so what this morning. We've heard this passage, but... How does it apply to me? The first one is this. Am I guilty of spiritual partiality? What do you mean? Well, do I overlook some people because I think they're unimportant? Like the elderly. Those who are the quiet ones in society. Maybe people with special needs. Maybe children. Am I guilty of partiality? Do I think I don't need to bring the gospel to these, whether I do it deliberately or not deliberately, by my not doing it, am I showing partiality? You see, the kingdom of God is open to all who will come. And the Holy Spirit can, can reach any heart. He can cut through any disability. He can cut through any mindset. He can cut through any sin that we might think is major. The Holy Spirit can cut through and God's grace can bring a changing work. But will we be faithful in bringing the gospel message to all? Are we faithful in our gospel outreach? Do we show a loving, Christ-like service and attitude to everyone we come into contact with? Because it might be bringing the gospel message to them in that, in that attitude. And I want to just stop because our, children, our passage is about uh, this attitude to children today. Children are amongst the most open to the gospel message. Why? Because at an early age they haven't learned to put up barriers yet. They just take things at face value. You'll know. Children see things, they just say things. They take things at face value. They haven't put up these barriers. I remember, and I've probably told you, I, I didn't finish them already, but... When I was in Howick, we had this midnight madness. 
where his shops stay open till midnight. And we used to put out this little table outside this one shop with tracts on it. And these little children were really interested in these tracts. They were standing there looking at the pictures, starting to ask questions. And their mother came along and she, she looked at this. She said, oh, what's this? Christian stuff. And she grabbed her kids and she said, I don't want you looking at that stuff. They haven't learned to put up barriers yet. And so while there aren't the barriers yet, are we bringing them the gospel message? And whether you parents here or grandparents here, you've got an opportunity with little children to bring them the gospel while their minds can be shaped in that way. And I'm not saying you need to indoctrinate them. Introduce them to the love of Jesus Christ. His Spirit will do the rest. But we need to be faithful in using those opportunities to reach them with a gospel message. We need to be using the opportunities we have in our communities. Bible in schools is open. But can we find teachers? We're always struggling to find teachers to come and spend an hour a week to come and teach children in schools. While we've got the opportunity. We can never find people. We need to be using the opportunities to put the gospel before these children while we can. You see, because if we don't, in effect we're saying, go away. Jesus is not for you. He's for older people. So, are we guilty of spiritual partiality? J.C. Ryle, one of my favourite dead guys, says this. Listen to this. Let us train children from their earliest infancy in godly ways and let us sow the seed of Scripture truth in their minds with strong confidence that it will one day bear fruit. Do we believe in the power of the gospel to save, then we need to sow the gospel. Let us believe that they think more and feel more and consider more than at first sight appears and that the Spirit is often working in them as really and as truly as in older people. Above all, let us often name them before Christ in prayer and ask Him to take them under His special charge. He never changes. He is always the same. He cared for children when He was on the earth. Let us not doubt that he cares for them at the right hand of God in heaven. Let us remain faithful. He will always remain faithful. He loves the little children, but do we? Secondly, I want to put this question to you. Based on this passage, am I the too busy disciple of a too busy Jesus? This is one of the biggest curses of the life we're living today. We are busy. Very busy. We're busy trying to catch up with the gadgets in front of us. And then we're trying to, on top of that, catch up with life happening to us. We are extremely busy. But as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we too busy? And are we showing a too busy Jesus in our actions? Your words might not say so, but your attitude sure can do you have time for people? Do you have time to show them the love of Jesus Christ? Or are we so busy chasing after activities, even good ones, yes, even church activities, that we've got no time to just sit one-on-one with people and to spend time to show them Jesus Christ? Because if we do, we've become a hindrance to them meeting Jesus. You see, a true disciple of Jesus is a copier of Jesus Christ. Are you a copier of Jesus Christ in your attitude towards people? Am I? You know, as a pastor of the church, I can get too busy for people. And I've caught myself. 
And others have pointed it out to me. And I've had to bring that to the Lord. We can get too busy. We need to take time and show that Jesus Christ has got time for every single person who will come to Him. I love what happens. Uh, we've got a group that feeds breakfast out to some school kids. And Sorry, Les, I didn't warn you about this. I see Les sitting there every time I've gone there and he's sitting next to parents. Parents who are struggling with their children and they're just having a conversation. There's time early on in the morning where they can just spend time. Show the time for people. That's what we mean. Be a copier of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I want to put this to you. What have I done with his invitation to come? You see, Jesus says, come to me as a child. And the question I want to put to you today is, every single person in this auditorium this morning, have you run to Jesus Christ when you hear those words? Or have you turned away and walked? It's one of two. You've either run to Jesus Christ or you've walked away. There's no third option. We will each be held personally responsible for not entering the kingdom at all if we walk away from Jesus Christ. You can't blame anyone else. Jesus has said, come to me. Will you run to him today and find the grace of God available to you? Or will you walk away? Turn your back. And then lastly, I want to speak to us as believers here today. And this is the question I want to put to you. How dependent are you on Jesus Christ? Are you a dependent child? You see, when we look at pictures of children, I love pictures of children. Near Siska's place now, there's a walkway. And you can often see parents and their kids walking around there. And you'll see this tall father, a bit like Colin, walking long, big strides. And then this little toddler holding onto dad's finger and those little legs are going full blast, just over time. And dad kind of doesn't notice these things. He just carries on. And this little kid's running Well, that's the picture I see when I see my relationship with my father. Am I so dependent on my Lord, I'm clutching to his finger even though I know scripture says he's holding me. Am I still dependent on him or have I got this attitude? You've seen it, eh? I can do it myself. I had a daughter like that. I'll do it myself. You see, sometimes as Christians we've got that attitude in us. I'll do it myself, Lord. I know you've saved me. We need to be dependent on Him every single day. We need to be dependent on our Heavenly Father for the strength He gives us. We need to be dependent on Him for the very breath in our lungs every day so that we can serve Him in His power. Otherwise, what we're doing is powerless. Are you dependent on God for your strength? Are your little legs running to keep up with God as He uses you for His kingdom? Are you keeping in touch with what God wants you to do? Are you receiving the strength and the inspiration from the Holy Spirit? Are you humbly and trustfully and dependently calling on and seeking the face of your Heavenly Father as you stay close to Him, as you walk with Him, as He guides us in your walk? Or are you trying to continually pull away from His hand and do your own thing? Do the running holding on to the finger of God every single day, but go where God goes. And it's amazing what He'll do through you. 
it will blow your mind away. It will take you to exciting um, situations where you never thought you'd be in. Because God is taking you there. He wants to speak to those people and He wants to use you in that situation. And as you depend on Him, He will show them, this Jesus who says, let the children come to me. Don't prohibit them. Don't push them away. Don't hinder them. Let them come to me. Have this childlike faith about you that depends on your Father in humility and then He'll use you. And the last point I want to put to you is, if you've got this childlike faith, for heaven's sake, see the children around you and tell them about Jesus Christ. These little ones. Take every moment. Tell them about Jesus. Because if you don't, the world will tell them about their God. And it will happen sooner than you think. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage from your word, even though just a few verses. It shows us the heart of a loving God, where no one is too small for the gospel, no one is too clever for the gospel, but Lord, everyone has the gospel available to them if they would but come humbly and receive Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. Lord, May this be the attitude of our hearts in our own walk before you. May this be the attitude of our hearts as we live the Christian life before our children and before the rest of the world. May they see us being dependent on Jesus Christ, looking to you for our sustenance, looking to you for our strength every day. May they see our dependence on our Heavenly Father. And may they be drawn to a loving Jesus who says, Come to me, be saved, enter into the kingdom. Use us, we pray.